This is uh, one of our favourite, favourite um, hunting grounds and uh, feeding grounds and culture grounds, all in one. We do a lot of beach fishing here, a lot of, lot of uh, diving and for lobster and uh, abalone, what we call mutton fish. And uh, am I allowed to do it? No. From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. 60 years ago, commercial licences were handed out to Australian fishers working in the lucrative shellfish industry. Since then, the families that obtained those licences have made fortunes. But many Aboriginal people whose ancestors have fished along the coast for tens of thousands of years have been locked out of the trade. Have I got a culture? Have I got a right? Have I got a role to play in this country? Have I got a role to play right where I'm standing right now? Aboriginal fishers, like you and Elder Keith Nye, have been described as poachers by industry and government and face jail time for selling what they catch. I do respect the industry from my heart, but do I really expect to respect the law? No. And am I going to get in, go diving this afternoon? Yes. <laughs> Today, writer for the monthly Paul Cleary on the trial of Keith Nye and his fight against the criminalisation of his culture. Paul, three years ago, Keith Nye was arrested. Can you tell me what happened? So Keith Nye, who's a 64-year-old Ewan elder, uh, has uh, been uh, fishing and trading, particularly in abalone and also lobster and other valuable uh, marine resources for most of his life. Abalone is a very traditional part of the, the Ewan lifestyle. It's, it's a shellfish. It's like a, a, a big snail inside a shell, it's something that they, they really enjoy eating. They actually regard it as a form of medicine. Keith has been collecting seafood, uh, freezing it, storing it for a while, and then taking it up to Sydney and various other places and selling it. And this is what he was caught doing in January 2017 when he had a few hundred frozen abalone in the boot of his car. Police were tailing him. I think they were also tapping his phone and they arrested him, handcuffed him, and then he was charged under the Fisheries Act and faces a prison sentence of up to 10 years in jail. And um, Paul, can you tell me a bit more about why it is an offence for Keith to sell abalone that he's caught? Yeah, well, from the early 1960s onwards, the government started issuing uh, licenses to fish abalone because uh, people realised this was a very valuable uh, commodity. One of the best fishing spots on the east coast. So let's see what's for supper. Uh, it sells for about $140 a kilogram, I checked this morning, and uh, there's about 100 tonnes that industry are allowed to access. Bang goes an Australian record. 16 and a half tonnes of lobster with only the mayonnaise to come. And so these licences have then been tightly held. They've, they've been controlled by families who have become very wealthy uh, as a result. Peaceful paradise of piscatorial plenty.
but the licenses were issued at that time in the 60s when uh, Aboriginal people were completely marginalised. And now, they, when they are traded, which is very rare, but they are worth a lot of money. Some of these are licenses I've heard of worth up to $6 million. Okay, so what you're saying is because the Aboriginal people who live in this area didn't receive these licenses back when they were being handed out, it now means that it's illegal for them to sell any of the abalone that they've caught. So they're illegal because it's set out in the Act that trafficking of uh, of these indictable species, uh, there is a limit of 50, but if you go above that, then it is subject to these penalties. And so I think the key thing is the government really wants to send a, a very strong message to Aboriginal people to stop their traditional practice. Yeah, I'm Danny Chapman. I'm um, saltwater man, Wabunja man from the south coast. Danny Chapman is an elected uh, representative of the Ewan region in the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council. And his view is, for someone who's been following this matter for 40 years, is that the government has simply turned Aboriginal people into criminals. What they've done, they've... Um They've legislated us out of the industry, created um, another class of um, outlaws. I've looked at these figures obtained from the uh, New South Wales Bureau of Crime Statistics, which show that the government of New South Wales has uh, been very willing and ready to jail, particularly Aboriginal people, for these offences. More than 80% of the people jailed over the last decade uh, identify as Aboriginal. Many more have been issued with bonds and uh, many more have also been fined. I, I just can't put words around it, you know. I, just, I get very angry about it all the time when I try to talk about it. It's, um, you know, one day we was um, happily fishing and the next day, if we did the same thing, we were um, sent to prison for it. If you look at the... Uh, Jail statistics, they're about 24 times overrepresented relative to the 3.4% of the population that they make up. And that's what Keith is looking at now, right? The, the prospect of jail time. So Keith could have taken the easy way out and he was told that if he just pleaded guilty, he might get off with a, a, a fine or, or a short jail term. But he decided as, a, as an Aboriginal man as an elder and a native title holder who's, a, who's part of the claim, that he wanted to assert his right as an Aboriginal person. Fishing is a main part of my culture. Fishing is a very, very big part of my culture. It saved me. If I lose my culture and my belief of life, my dignity, what would I become? And goddamn, they tried to do that to me. And they're still trying to this day. Are they going to succeed? I don't know. But am I going to back down? No. That I want to stand up and say they can't push us around anymore. We'll be back in a moment. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. 
Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Paul, can you tell me about what Keith plans to argue to defend his case in court? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So uh, Keith has argued and his, his other witnesses who have supported him, there's been some extraordinary evidence in this case that really shows that these practices have gone back for thousands of years, but also have been continued very much uh, until into, until recent times, that, that even in the 60s and 70s, there were Aboriginal people living uh, along the coast, living traditional lifestyles, relying on their fishing to uh, support themselves. Some of the evidence actually shows that from the very first contact with white people, a, an expedition led by Governor Macquarie in 1811 showed that the UN people actually traded seafood in return for biscuits and tobacco. So this trading is not new and it's something that's really part of their culture. So Keith is asserting that right and it's been interesting. The government uh, prosecution has uh, tried to argue that people in the community frown on on trading, unnamed people, by the way. The, the argument uh, is that there are elders in the UN community who don't think that uh, Aboriginal people should be trading. And the case is that... Uh, the New South Wales government's been interesting. I think they, they, they're certainly following it very, very closely. There are senior government law officers zooming into the courtroom all day, sitting on their screens, watching Keith's case. Uh, it's, it is quite extraordinary to see that. And I think that's because they, um, they fear that it could set a legal precedent. Right. And so what do you mean by that? What sort of impact could Keith's case have? So I think if Keith won this case, I think it would be a real turning point. I think the government would realise that it cannot continue prosecuting and harassing Aboriginal people in this way. I think a victory would mean that government really needs to change strategy and develop a policy that's about supporting Aboriginal people to sustainably manage their resource. You know, it really doesn't have a strategy to deal with this. It doesn't have a policy to engage Aboriginal people to recognise their rights and to develop some sort of sustainable economic program for, for the Aboriginal communities. So they are essentially shut out of the industry. They're facing very harsh, I would argue, racially biased enforcement. And uh, there's no strategy. I mean, I couldn't even get answers to questions from the Minister for Agriculture on this matter. It's just something that's not on their radar. They don't want to know about it and they just want to continue with the aggressive enforcement. And what is this all about for Keith? Because it seems like for him, this is obviously bigger than just his own case, his own rights to sell abalone. It is about recognition. Recognition is absolutely fundamental for people who have been marginalised, who have been dispossessed of their land. And so this is really what it comes down to. It's about Keith making a stand to be recognised and just to say enough is enough. We deserve much, much better than this and you're going to take notice of us. Can the governments and the court of law, can they hurt me anymore? Can they really hurt me anymore? 
My answer to that is, no, they fucking can't. Because they virtually took everything that I had. But I still exist. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also in the news today, the Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, has revealed that a record number of Australians were vaccinated on Tuesday with more than 90,000 doses of the COVID-19 vaccine issued within a 24-hour period for the first time. The figure came as a new survey revealed almost one-third of Australians were unlikely to be vaccinated. And France has ramped up pressure on the US to publicly call for a ceasefire in Israel and Gaza. The call came after a UN Security Council meeting ended without a joint statement. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.